Nobody asked you, Kevin! Welcome back to Nobody Asked You, Kevin. It is episode 59 today. And the song you are about to hear is a clip of a song called Please by a rock band out of Nashville named Faust. And lucky for you guys out there right now, for today's episode, I got to chat with the lead singer and guitar player of Faust. His name is Chris Faust. We chatted about the band, his music, his background, along with uh, things like how COVID has affected his music. Uh, Chris blew my mind about how he recorded his vocals. He waxed poetic on boxing, which I know very little about. Uh, We also chatted a bit about food, movies, things like that. You'll also hear a couple of more clips throughout the interview uh, of Faust's music. Uh, Like I said, you'll hear Please in just a moment. Uh, You'll also hear their song, The Fountain. And you'll hear a clip of their song, The Ocean. And you will also hear, as an outro to this episode, just a bit of their song, which he references in this chat, um, Little Man. So stick around for the outro. I hope you enjoy this chat. Uh, Let's listen to a little bit of Please by Faust. And then we'll get right to the interview. We're making mistakes. So let's make this together. You might as well stay. Uh, today I'm talking with Chris Faust of the band Faust. Uh, how are you doing, Chris? Man, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I am not too bad. We had a little bit of a technology mishap, but we, I think we've got this sorted now, and we're going to move forward. So, um, I, like I said, you are with the, the band Faust. Um, tell me and tell the listeners about your band, because... I'll be honest, I have been listening to you guys a lot lately, so I just want the listeners to to hear about your band. Who are you, where you're from, and let's start there. Sure. So, uh, yeah, uh, Faust is the band name. It's also my last name. It is German. Uh, It's it's like a a German-French interpretation of uh, the word for fist. So if you look at our logo, it's very fist-oriented. I am... Uh, actually an ex-competitive boxer. So it, it works in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, we're also kind of, 
uh, we like to push boundaries. We like to get in people's faces. Uh, so, so the imagery of the fist works well for, for us as a band, both in attitude and style. Uh, it just so happens that my last name means that in German. Um, <laughs> Which, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but I'll interject here. That's a great logo. I love that fist logo. Oh, thanks. Uh, a really good buddy of mine uh, who's an incredible designer, uh, Brandon Trammell. And you can check out his artwork at brandontrammell.com. He does a lot of uh, artwork for you know concert posters and, and uh, artist branding. He's absolutely incredible. Um, so thank you, and he would be thrilled to hear that. Um, but but yeah, so I'm a Nashville native, um, which is, uh, believe it or not, a very rare thing to come by. I think that the numbers were released again. We're always like the second or third uh, uh, city most moved to. So it's very hard to come by Nashville natives. But both my parents were musicians. Uh, my dad was a jazz horn player. My mom uh, was a country singer. Um, and, you know, uh, they were they were road warriors so I, i'm a, i'm a tour bus baby or a <laughs> passenger van baby <laughs> uh, to be more to be more accurate um so i grew up with music in the household and um i definitely grew out of my mom's record collection which is you know heavily influenced in 70s rock uh, mid 70s rock so everything from queen bowie bad company zz top uh, my first concert uh, first rock concert was uh, ZZ Top and Leonard Skinner. Uh, my oh, mom's nice. first concert was also ZZ Top and Leonard Skinner, so that was cool that she took me to that when I was like 10. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I love blues and blues and jazz from my dad's perspective, you know, classic rock from my mom's perspective. And then, you know, I grew up in the 90s, in the early mid-90s, so I have a huge uh, crush on what people call grunge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like have since grown into more aggressive forms of of metal. So like I love everything from, you know, Lamb of God to Venom to Maiden to Sabbath to um, Shadows Fall. So I, I really try and keep it varied. But I think because of that varied listening experience that it's been able to influence me. Um, and with this band... Todd and I have been playing in bands since 1999. I was 14. He was 18 when we met. Uh, and I played in a metal band, a very tool Metallica. And, you know, we've always kind of found our way back to each other. And last year, um, we got together and I had these riffs. We went into a studio with uh, a bass player and a producer friend of ours, Chris Utley. And we tracked these songs live. So what you hear on the EP is actually recorded live in one room together. Um, the only thing that wasn't recorded live were uh, guitar solos and, well, some of the guitar solos and vocals. And the vocals were actually recorded to and from work in my car on my iPhone. So Whoa. you... Wait, wait, <laughs> wait. You, you, you recorded all the vocals on that EP in your car on your phone? Yep, 100%. Wow. Wow, that that's I, I I didn't know that. I that's impressive. I wow. I, I mean, you can you can hear it. Thank you. But you can hear it if you listen closely. You can hear the occasional car horn. You can hear me hit speed bumps. Because um, what I would do is I would put it on loop and just sing the song from front to back, mm -hmm. and then I would go in and pull the best. Okay, that's the best verse. That's the best chorus. That's the best you know melody, or that's the best uh, harmony. 
Um, and, and that's how the EP kind of came about, you know, um, it was very in the moment. Like I would write the lyrics kind of as I'm recording the song. So it was very fluid. Um, so hopefully that comes across. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I'm going to have to, now I'm going to have to go back and listen. Cause I didn't pick up any of the, the speed bumps or any of the horns or anything like that, but now I'm going to have to go back um, <laughs> because that's re- that's really cool. I, I have never even thought about that, that. Me, because I've never heard of someone doing that. So, um, uh, yeah, it's that's interesting. Uh, gosh, I mean, it's kind of I'm just not a loss of words because now I'm throwing and throwing for a loop. Um, uh, but uh, what you said you grew up with the classics. I mean, you, I mean, as you said, your 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 father and your mother both musicians. Um, from your in in the in the nineties growing up being a grunge fan what what posters were on your wall per, per se what 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 <laughs> bands exactly were you listening to outside of nirvana and say alice in chains well alice in chains would have been the first one because uh, they were the ones that kind of bridged the gap for me for for heaviness you know because uh, i had been listening to like uh, a lot of guns and roses and listening to a lot of uh, metallica at that point you know uh, they had just released the Black Album. Uh, I think Use Your Illusion had just come out. So, like, those were probably the two biggest, like, big bands that I got into. But after after those two and kind of moving into into grunge, um, Alice in Chains was at the top of the list for me. And the reason is because of that vocal performance and just how awesome it is to have two people in the band singing leads. You know, to have Jerry, even on guitar, sing some of those lead parts and do such incredible things with, you know, fifth harmonies. Um, that was huge. Obviously Soundgarden. Um, I think Chris Cornell is, you know, probably like top five rock vocalists ever. Um, I don't think I, I much prefer, and, and I will get flack for this, um, but I love Soundgarden, but I much prefer the work that he did in audio slave because I think the songs were a little more catchier. Um, but uh, so on my wall, Alice in Chains, definitely Soundgarden. Um, I didn't get into Pearl Jam till a bit later in life because those lyrics are super, super deep. Um, and they just didn't resonate with me at the time. Um, so, yeah, honestly, that, that's it was Soundgarden and Alice in Chains all the time, every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, around that time, I would have been, uh, geez, probably eight, nine, ten years old, um, which I actually had gotten into like Alice in Chains really big around that time. It was that they they helped form me as well, and I I still think, um, and you won't get flack from me for anything because I'm I'm one of these guys that has a lot of terrible music opinions. And so that makes I, <laughs> and um, I'm I'm one of those people that I mean believe I personally love Alice in Chains a lot more than a band like Nirvana or something like that. I, I mean I think Alice in Chains needs to have a lot more credit when it comes to that movement and, and some of their music um, uh, than what say a Nirvana or someone would have. Um, but anyways, let's not worry about that. Um, Let's talk more about this EP because Revival, uh, you released that in late 2020. Um, I, again, I want to say it rocks because 
I, I listen to a lot of music throughout the day, the work day. I've been working, I mean, due to COVID, been working from home nonstop. Um, so I've got music on all the time. And uh, when I have to go in, because I work in a science lab, and when I go in um, and I'm actually listening to music while at the bench doing work, and I found that I've put on this EP quite a bit, and as well as working out and, and things like that. But I've got this as a regular rotation in my my musical rotation. It's in my musical rotation now. Um, so I, you said regarding the creative process, um, you did all the vocals on your iPhone in the car. Um, has that been normal for you in the past, or is that just something you decided to do? Uh, so no, normally when we've recorded records, you know, uh, I'll Todd and I will sit down, I'll have a riff, we'll jam on it. We'll arrange it together. Um, you know, just guitar and drums. Uh, well then we'll go back and, um, I'll do a dummy track, like, you know, just play through it to a metronome and then Todd plays it, you know, plays to a click to that dummy track. Then I'll lay down bass, then I'll redo guitars, and then I'll do vocals. So this was very different, um, and I got a taste for it. Um, Todd and I were in a previous band called Blackwater James, and it was a southern rock kind of influenced halfway point between Foo Fighters and Guns N' Roses. Um, uh, you can find it on Spotify if anybody wants to take a listen to it. But um, the second record that we did was an EP called Volume 1, and we tracked that live in the same room. And that was the first time I'd ever done that before. And it felt so organic and it felt so right. Because I think one thing that when people, because of how recording techniques have shifted and studios are so much harder to get into and project equipment is so much easier to get your hands on, you kind of lose that live flair um, that I think makes a lot of those awesome records, you know, from the, 60s, 70s, 80s, and early 90s, really awesome, is that live element. So getting to record the tracks, um, it also, there was a thing where I can't overthink this. I don't have the capacity to overthink this because the, the songs were done. So I had a stereo track from what we recorded in the studio with no vocals. And that was my box to work in. Okay, so here's my box. I'm not going to, I don't, I can't edit this in Pro Tools. I just have to this is what I got to work with. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, being in a, a situation where I've got like a, a newborn at home and I don't mm -hmm. really have the ability to, to get loud and scream, you know, yeah. in the house. Um, I was like, well, the only place I have to do this is in the car. So it was just kind of out of necessity. Um, and I'm, I'm totally a guy that, uh, is definitely like process driven. So like, okay, mm -hmm. I want to get this done by this date. Um, what are my options? How can I make this happen? And that was the option that I had and okay, cool. I'll make this work. So like I tested it back and forth, like held the, uh, the little iPhone, uh, iBud, you know, I, I like mm -hmm. the little microphones connected. I would hold it at different lengths away from my mouth to find out, okay, well that obviously sounds like I'm in a car that sounds way too close. And I just had to experiment. Um, and honestly, it was a lot of fun. It was kind of a pain in the ass at first, but it turned into be a lot of fun. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm happy with the, with the outcome. And I, I wasn't, I didn't have the luxury to overthink anything. I just sang it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, it, it, and again, I I didn't even notice that. So I I'm gonna. I mean, once we're done talking here, I'm going back and I'm listening. I'm gonna see if I can find some of those horns and and speed bumps and those things because I I I couldn't hear it. So um, either way, do you have a? I mean, I I hate to ask this, but do you have a favorite song off the album? Uh, do I have a favorite song off the album? Um, it, I mean, it's, the answer would be all of them, probably. But well, yeah. And the thing is, is like you know, I they all kind of mean different things. You know, when when I write a song, it it, it comes from a personal place um, or my observation of someone's personal you know experience. Uh, so uh, they all have kind of a personal meaning to me, um, but. I think the one that I like the most is probably Little Man. Okay. Um, and that's one that people haven't really talked about very much. Um, but if you listen to the song lyrics, it's about – I had just got – well, I, I was I, – I quote unquote resigned from a position, uh, from a job, and it did not go well. Um, and it made me feel really small. Um and this was kind of like a reminder to myself, like, yeah, okay, like, yeah, you may be a little man on the totem pole, but you've still got a voice. Um, and I think that that experience can be, you know, you could you could apply that to a lot of different areas in life. But also, I like the I was able to do some cool things, uh, and I definitely was listening to a lot of Alice in Chains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can totally hear it. Um, <laughs> Uh, so that's probably my favorite. And then honestly, uh, the, the, uh, please, the last song on the record, the, the, the weirdo black sheep of the EP, mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I love the vibe that gives like kind of like a space hog, um, stone temple pilotsy kind of vibe. Yes. going on. So that's exactly what I thought. I thought STP, um, I, when I was listening to that, I mean, it was, uh, and I love that you, you said space hog too. That's a band that I think. Uh, not a lot of people talk about still, um, but yeah, I too. get those. I, I, oh yeah, definitely. I, I mean, in def and outside of their in the meantime hit as well. I mean, the one hit that you, when people talk about Space Hog, you hear of in the meantime. That's the song you hear about. But they, I mean, there were other great music that they put out. Um, uh, but uh, no, I can, I can definitely see those, those sort of inspirations there. Um, in that song uh and i mean you you call it the black sheep of of the album but i mean it it does stick out a little bit to me but i mean it's it's a fantastic song i mean especially i think to end the ep on Um, yeah just switch things up a bit and that's the thing is one thing that kind of kills me about music today um and even in some of like the heavier genres like one of my favorite arguments to get in on twitter is when people start to bash metallica (laughs) for quote-unquote selling out and all I can think of is if I would have had to listen to like twelve records of Kill 'Em All, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't be a fan of Metallica anymore. No, um, no, no, no. You got to evolve over time. Um, Bands evolve. The only band that's ever been able to get away with that, in my opinion, is AC/DC. But AC/DC mm-hmm. had the horrible, you know, loss of Bon Scott, and they had to switch lead singers. And it's obvious that there was a lead singer switch. And you know, they kind of changed the direction quite a bit when when they did the black album. So uh, what, what I'm getting at is that I like that variety and I, um, I love hearing different styles on records. You know, that's, um, that's why I like bands like 
uh, Guns N' Roses, and I like bands like the Black Crows, is um, they can do this heavy, heavy stuff, but then they're doing, you know, an acoustic piece. And I think that's one reason why Led Zeppelin was so big is that, you know, mm-hmm. you can do something like Black Dog or When the Levee Breaks and then go do what, like the Battle of Evermore, you know, where we've got mandolins yes. and stuff. So I, I dig that variety and it makes it more interesting for the listener, I think, personally. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, and it, <laughs> the, I, I, I get upset at that, too. When I mean, especially the Metallica example. I mean, uh, yeah, they did change their sound. And I, I, I think any band is going to evolve over time. I mean, you're going to change your sound a little bit here or there. I mean, it might be more drastic than other what people want, but I, I, I just shake my head a lot of times when I when I hear people using Metallica or um, bands like that. I mean, regarding their sound over time, where hey, I don't listen to anything uh, after the Black Album. I mean, I mean, I I just can't get into that mindset. Um, of, of when someone like just screams at it, others, um, I just can't get with it. But um, other than that, I, I, we are living in the time of COVID, of course. I mean, I think you can't get around that. Um, how has COVID affected you guys? How has COVID affected uh, writing music? How has COVID affected the band overall? Well, you know, from a personal perspective, uh, I, I love playing live. I mean, Todd and I are, we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're a live band and we've all, no matter what band we've been in, live performances are like our bread and butter. So Todd and I have this thing where, um, you know, we try and outdo one another. It's like having two front men in the band. He's the drummer and he <laughs> wants to be seen too, but no, I'm the lead singer. I'm going to be seen. So we have this really funny back and forth. Um, but so we like to think that it makes it entertaining, but I, I love live music. I think it, being able to perform live kind of separates um, the good from the bad. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's probably been the biggest impact. So from a writing perspective, I think that COVID actually did us a favor in the fact that like, okay, we've got a lot more time. We could sit around and sulk about this, you know, and, and, and just be pissed off and, like, no, like, I, you know, and I'm, I posted this on Twitter and I kind of made the declaration, like after February, I want to post a new single every like three weeks. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's my goal. It's lofty, probably going to screw it up at least once or twice, but <laughs> you know, um, it's given us a lot more time to, you know, engage in different techniques on how we can write and record. And we've kind of come to the conclusion that it's never been easier to ingest inspiration because uh, I can listen to any song from any artist on Spotify that I want. Um, so that we've got a ton of reference material. Um, that's one piece. And then we're, we're all so connected. Like th- it's never been easy. It used to be, we had to go sit in a room for hours and just crank songs out, like, mm-hmm. like just bang them out. But now like, Hey, we got an extra 45 minutes this morning before, you know, we both log on for work. Hey, let, you know, let's, let's hop on a zoom call real quick and check this idea out. What do you think? You know? Um, so it's, it's forced us to adapt and not only with songwriting, but with the way that music is promoted, you know? And I think that, um, I have a marketing background and so Mm -hmm. does Todd and, and like we're, 
we're kind of taking the approach like, no, like this is something that, that we can market and that we want to market authentically. And this pandemic has kind of given us a one up. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of bands just ha- have not known how to rally or how to kind of get get down with what they've been given, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, Todd and I always like to say that we're solution oriented, that we are like, okay, so what's the problem? there's a solution out there for it. Like what's the, we just have to go find it or find someone who has the answer, you know, and, and we kind of approach our production and our writing kind of the same way. And I think bands that don't do that going forward are going to have a really rough time, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. I love that, that line of thinking, Hey, there's a solution out there. Let's go find it. Um, rather than just sit there and complain and, and just wallow in, Hey, I mean, the last year has sucked for a lot of people, and it, it definitely has. But let's make the best of the situation, and let's do what we can to bring music to people, to um, to produce new uh, material, whatever it might be. I, I love that line of thinking, that, that positive line of thinking, I think, uh, because more positivity is needed in this world. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I don't think yes. any... Any time in history, like recent history, that we need some more positivity injected into this world. Um, like, I'm all about positive rock music, too, these days. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, finding a song that will make me happy, whatever it might be, whether it's a guitar solo that makes me happy or vocals, lyrics, whatever it might be, something that lifts my spirits. Uh, what is a song that would actually do that for you? Is there a song out there that when you listen to, you just smile or you beat me? You, you can take your attitude from being sad or angry to, hey, I'm good. I'm uh, having a good day now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think for me, it's it's definitely um, soul singing by uh, the Black Crows. So they they did a record in um, oh like the like 2003 or 2004. And, um, it was called, I'd have to double check that date, but it was called, um, it was the one right before lions, I think. Um, Oh, that was, oh shoot. Uh, was it by your side? side. By your side. That's it. Yep. Um, so by your side, I think is one of those records that was, but, uh, soul singing, man, that's one that just puts the smile immediately on my face. Um, as a lot of their material does. Oh yeah, yeah. I, Black Crows are one of those bands that I mean, I didn't, I never really listened to a lot of them until probably the last ten years, and then the last ten years, I don't know what it is. I've listened to a heck of a lot of Black Crows, and I don't, I don't know why that is, but I just didn't pick up on them when, when they, I mean, the first albums came out ninety, ninety two, I think it was ninety, I mean, early nineties, um, but. I've I've kind of listened to them a lot lately, and I, I I was hoping to see them actually this summer. I mean, this past summer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah unfortunately, I was. I mean, I'm not a musician by any means. I, I go to a lot of shows, but I don't play music. I uh, I I picked up a guitar, and I'm learning to play guitar. But I, I don't produce any music. I'm not a musician. I go to a lot of shows, and. The, this summer, I mean, it was just had like 20 shows lined up to go to and boom, everything's postponed, canceled. And, and Black Crows is one of them. 
Um, so hoping to get to see them soon enough. I think it was rescheduled. I don't know. Um, Man, I hope so. Cause you know, I've never had the chance to see the black crows live. Um, and that's like on my bucket list, but, uh, I think that they kind of unfairly and someone argue with me on this. I think they unfairly got thrown into what people kind of called jam jam bands. And oh, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're a blues based, you know, group. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, you can play the one, four, five blues thing all day long, but, uh, I, I don't think that they're, I, I just don't think they're a jam band. I think that they are a Southern rock band. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I mean, personally, I wouldn't classify them as a jam band um, of, I mean, when I think of jam band, I think of, oh gosh, someone like Fish or, I mean, to me personally, I'm not a big fan, but someone like a Dave Matthews band. Yeah. Or, I, mean, yeah. I mean, old school Grateful Dead type style. Um, I, 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 I don't see them as that, but hey, I, I, I'm looking forward to them when, when, when music returns. And I hope it does this summer. I hope, I hope we can get things under control and um, get music again. Because I, my last live show was, and I didn't think it was going to be the last live show, but I saw Alter Bridge um, in a very small venue here in, in Indianapolis um, uh, in February of last year, and that was the last live show. And I, I just keep going back to that time. I just keep thinking to myself. It's going to get better. We're going to be able to see live music one of these days again. And I cannot wait until that happens. Uh, yeah, seconded. Man, I can't <laughs> even remember the live, the last live show that I went to. That I, I mean, I, I played, I remember playing some gigs. I, I honestly I cannot remember the last live show I went to. It's been that long. When's the, what, what's the, when's the last live show you played? Um, October. No, I guess it would have been January, October or January. I mean, I had a gig in October and in January, mm-hmm. um, right before everything started to get crazy. Yeah, yeah, and and everything went to just went down the tubes. And <laughs> but hey, we're not going to talk about the negatives. Come on, we're not. No, we're, we're not staying positive. We're staying. Positive. Yes, we're staying positive here. So you've got this EP. You've you released it late twenty twenty. Um, what are your plans for the future? What's Faust's plans and what are you going to do? Yeah. So we, our plans have shifted and we've kind of had to learn to pivot. You know, um, we did have an acoustic EP that we wanted to release and we still plan on doing that. Um, cause I'm actually, we're, we're, I'm in the middle of, uh, of a move right now. So we're moving into a new home in a couple of weeks and uh, I've partitioned a, a decent amount off for a recording studio. And so with building that out and knowing that in February that I'll be able to open a door and immediately hit record is going to, I think, supercharge our production. And uh, so for 2021, our goals are we definitely want to release the acoustic EP uh, which which will be in like different. We'd like to do different tempos and do some different like weird stuff. Like maybe throw in like some stand up bass. Um, you know, if I'm feeling saucy, maybe a banjo. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but we definitely want to release that. Um, 
you know, probably I'm thinking in March, but starting in February, I want to release a single, I would say every three to four weeks. I want to take the approach that hip hop and pop artists have taken um, where they're releasing content consistently. And I kind of want to see how it kind of see how it goes. Um, now that does mean that we'll be producing less physical content. Mm-hmm. So what what we might do and kind of what the, uh, the general plan is, is, you know, come March, we'll have a limited number of EPs, uh, both for revival and then the acoustic revival. Um, we'll have a limited number of physical copies that will be up for sale. Uh, hopefully we'll have some vinyl in there as well. That'd be fun. But then at the end of the year, what we'll do is we'll take the eight to 12 songs that are released throughout that year and we'll release that as a physical album but it will only be available as a physical album so nice um and you'll be able to listen to the tracks individually you know on spotify and apple music and deezer and wherever but that's that's kind of where we're going you know we we kind of want to because okay so i'm a i've had i have become a huge fan of two artists recently Okay. Uh, um, and they're, they're, they're newer artists in the last, I guess, three or four years, but, um, Machine Gun Kelly and, okay. and Youngblood. Uh, oh, Youngblood. Oh, I love Youngblood. Right. So yes. it came out in the end of December and I have not stopped listening to it since, but that is the future of rock music is, I mean, the new Machine Gun Kelly, it's a Blink-182 record with mm-hmm. Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. Uh, pop punk. Yeah. And I, I'm going to be honest. I kind of dig it because oh, that's that's kind of coming out. Of, yeah, um, and Youngblood, honestly, to me, that just that sounds like that is just a really super produced album that came out of the early '90s. To me, mm-hmm. it's it's really pissed off. Like, I mean, I can hear I can hear Prodigy in it. I can hear um, I hear a lot of interesting stuff in there, and I think to discredit that, but that's where rock music is right now. That they're like. It's arguably some of the two biggest artists in the world that, um, at least Machine Gun Kelly's instance, was not in rock. And Mm -hmm. they're bringing it back. And I kind of want to duplicate or at least experiment with what they've done as far as delivering music. Um, And, you know, what is the younger crowd going to these younger fans of rock music that haven't really had kind of a a rock scene, you know, like like we had? Because in my opinion... You know, the rock scene as as a international phenomenon kind of died out around like 2008. I mean, you have like little spurts of it, but then hip hop took over a thousand mm-hmm. percent took over. Um, and I am I, I mean, I love hip hop. I love rap. Uh, but for a younger audience to get into rock music, um, we have to deliver the content, the brand, the image in the way that they will accept it if rock music is going to continue um, to be viable, you know, and to be, uh, to, to grow and to continue to grow. So, um, I'm definitely not a classic rock purist where, Mm -hmm. um, I, I love the evolution of rock music and I don't think it it should ever stop. And we're going to take our cues from these newer artists who, who are are doing things that are successful and we want to experiment and, you know, maybe, through those methods, we can engage a significantly younger audience um, and, and make a bigger splash. Oh yeah, yeah. My, I, my kid. I mean, he's he's 10, he's eleven. Sorry, 
Um, he he loves Youngblood, and that's how I got introduced to him. I he was listening to him, and I we went to see him perform here when he came through indie, and it, that was such a fun show. Oh, I bet that I mean, was awesome. he's all over the stage, and I mean it's I got my first taste of him a couple of years ago, and it was I mean it's good stuff. I mean I I I, I love that weird album. I, I play that, I mean, at least once a week all the way through. I, I can't wait to hear what you guys have, though, in, like, on the back burner here, what's going on. I mean, what you're going to be releasing over the next I mean, year, year and a half, two years, however long this is. Um, I cannot wait to hear what Faust has to, to release. I will ask though, if you weren't doing music full time, if you weren't doing it part time, whatever, um, what would you be doing? I mean, you already said you have a marketing background. Um, uh, if you did had nothing to do with music, if you couldn't do any music, what would you do? Who? Um, well, uh, I mean, uh, the obvious answer is marketing because I have a marketing background, um, but. Honestly, this is going to sound kind of weird. I, I would have loved to have gotten into uh, professional boxing. So I, I have an amateur background. Uh, I fought competitively for a few years, and boxing is a huge part of my family. Uh, I'm the only like male in my family to not be a Golden Glove. I'm, oh, wow. You know, um, so and I, I love the sport. It's, it's my favorite sport in the world, and I'm not a sports guy. I don't watch football. I don't watch basketball. Don't watch baseball. I might, uh, I, I might watch hockey because um, I grew up with it with my dad. But um, I, I, I love boxing because there's this romantic aspect of the sport um, where, I mean, there is nothing more terrifying and exhilarating than being placed into the ring and there's no one there to help you. <laughs> it is, it is, it is just you and that other person. Um, and it has nothing to do with talent and everything with preparation. Mm -hmm. It's talent can be squashed by really effective preparation. You know, um, if you've worked out harder, if you've studied your opponent more, um, you know, the likelihood of you winning uh, a fight is significantly greater. Um, and I, I think that boxing as a whole has kind of gotten a bad rap. Um, and it's, it's an absolutely fascinating sport and there's so much nuance to it. Um, so probably I would have loved to gotten involved with, with professional boxing, whether that's being a fighter or being a trainer 
or being a commentator, that would have been fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that would be cool. Yeah, being a commentator. Um, do you have any uh, favorite fighters right now? Uh, so, well, my, my favorite fighter of all time is um, Roberto Duran. Okay. Um, uh, it's from Panama. Uh, they called him Manos de Piedra, the uh, hands of stone or fist of stone. Mm-hmm. And um, he fought from like 1969, I think, up until like 2000 and maybe two. <laughs> I mean, he had a hundred something time. plus pro fights. Um, he was really famous for fighting Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Hagler and Hearns and those guys. And then he won pounds. But um, he started off as a flyweight, like you're really, really light. But um, currently my favorite fighter, um, I've got, I think I guess I've got, I got two. I really like Caleb Plant, who's the IBF middleweight champion. And the caveat there is that I actually got to spar with him because he's from the area. Um, I think he's incredible. Uh, and a huge fan of Lomachenko and mm-hmm. how how unique his footwork is. I know that he just is coming off of a loss, but I think Lomachenko is absolutely incredible. I've never seen a more athletic, talented fighter. Um, and then I guess uh, a close third would be Canelo. I, I mean, getting to watch his career where, you know, I remember him losing horribly to Mayweather, like his only loss, but he was a kid. And, you know, to see him grow up and uh, to be this world-class fighter that's just become absolutely incredible. Um, so, yeah, those those are probably my, my top three. Cool, yeah. I, I, I'm I not into boxing a lot. The only the boxing that I do is here with the heavy bag <laughs> and that. Um, but I love to watch if there's any sort of fights on tv i mean whether it's boxing anything that involves boxing or fighting on tv i i do enjoy watching um i I just i just never really got into it um i'm I'm into other sports just not into boxing but i think it's really cool that you're into boxing and that you have that personal experience um of of actually being um into boxing I I mean you don't find that a lot in people. I mean I, it's it's horrifying. I mean it's scary. Like it, it's um and I think that's part of the reason why I kind of like it is that you know it's part of the reason why I like rock music and why I like gravitate to things like Guns N' Roses and Nine Inch Nails. It's it's dangerous. It, there's volatility there. You know, there's uh you don't know what's going to happen and I, you know, I think that says a lot about my personality, I guess. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I like that angel, that um, element of danger. I think it makes things exciting, and that's why I think bands like Guns N' Roses were so popular because they're either going to explode or like break up on stage, you know, mm-hmm. or do it or do it multiple times. You know, <laughs> it, you know, that's what made it fun. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, with the with boxing, I mean. I've been hit in the face a few times. I mean, it's it's always interesting to see how. I mean, when I mean, obviously, people in the the ring are prepared and they know what it's like to be hit. But when you're on the outside looking in and you've never been hit in the face before, you've never taken a punch or two. Um, I it's it, it's just amazing what I mean boxers go through. I mean, the fitness, the being in shape, being able to take a punch and know how to take a punch whether that's to the body or the face or whatever. Um, I, I find that 
amazing that people can do that. You know, um, it's it if you think about it, right? So the average fight now is what 10 rounds. It's it's like an hour's worth of not even an hour's worth of action, 40 minutes of action. Um you have for, for that say 40 minutes or half hour uh, of physical activity, you have to train 8 to 10 hours a day, 7 days a week for between 3 and 4 months. It, and that's unreal. <laughs> I and the thing is is like I, I always joke with people when they're like, how hard can that be? Like, how hard How hard is it? I'm like, it's definitely the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And what I do is I, I hold a heavy bag and I get them in front of it. And I said, I want you to hit this bag as fast as you can for three minutes. Shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is extremely hard. I mean, people, I don't think people realize how long three minutes actually is. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. It's then, a long time when you're doing something extremely physical like that. And then you throw on getting hit on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing is that when, when you get hit, usually if you get hit in the face, you're typically don't feel it cause your adrenaline, you know, kind of kicks mm-hmm. in. Um, at least if you're used to it, the first time you, you definitely feel it. But after that, you kind of get used to it. Um, uh, I would rather get hit in the face all day long than take a, a body shot because a body shot takes about two, three seconds to register and, okay. then, your le- and then your legs go out and you can't stand uh. up. So um, and it, it is the weirdest feeling in the world and it la- the pain lasts forever. Um, and you know, the person who I thought always had the best body shot, um, was, uh, Mickey Ward, Irish Mickey Ward. Um, <laughs> if you watch the trilogy of fights between him and Arturo Gotti, um, you just look at Arturo Gotti's face when Mickey Ward lands that left hook to the body and you could just see the agony in his face. Um, so, uh, that's probably the best trilogy in boxing, by the way, is Arturo Gotti and Mickey Ward. So if anybody wants to get into boxing, start there, watch those three fights first. Awesome. Yeah. I'm learning a heck of a lot about boxing today, (laughs) (laughs) which is great because I'm always down to learn new things about things. I don't know anything about hardly anything about. Um, we came here to talk about music though, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, but tangents are great. I love I love when you learn. I, I'm 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 always of the opinion if I can learn something new every day, whatever it might be, I don't care what it is. And it could be something about music, it could be something about movies, sports, my job, whatever it might be. I am set for the day. I have learned something that I did not know before, and it, it it's one of those things that makes me smile. I, I love that being able to yeah. learn things. And it so, keeps you fresh, keeps your mind active and just it, it, you talk about a way to like ward off depression. Obviously, I know there's that like, you know, that chemical piece, but, um, if, you know, to ward off like depression and boredom, like, yeah, just do something you've never done. Listen to something you've never listened to. Um, just keeps your mind, you know, sharp and open.
All right. So I know we're uh, bumping up against time here, but um, I, on this show, we usually, when I have people on, I typically ask them a bunch of dumb questions that have nothing to do with, with the topic at hand. Uh, it's like a 20 questions type Q and a, um, and like I said, most are really dumb. Um, you care if I ask you a few of those questions? Ask me some dumb questions. Okay. Let's do and, it. And they're not really, I, I don't know if I classify, I guess I'd classify them as dumb, but they're, they're things that are not, not pertaining to anything what we're talking about. <laughs> okay, sure, um, let's go for it. So this is, this is my problem these days. I am sitting at home, and I'm working from home, and I'm always hungry. Always hungry. I don't care. I mean, I could have eaten two hours ago, and I'd still be hungry. Um, uh, so I find myself eating a lot of sandwiches, just going downstairs, making a lot of sandwiches. You're sitting around home. You're hungry. You want to make a sandwich. What are your go-to sandwich-making ingredients? What do you make a sandwich out of? Huh. Uh, so first off, I live my life hungry. Uh, I <laughs> I am definitely a quantity over quality kind of guy when it comes to food. <laughs> uh, I'm not very picky. So, but when it comes to sandwich, uh, what would be my go-to? So um, my dad coming from Pennsylvania, he introduced me to this uh, deli uh, meat called Lebanon bologna. So uh, check it out. Delicious if you can find it. Um, but uh, Lebanon, a thick slice Lebanon bologna, uh, some Munster cheese. Maybe if I'm feeling you know a little bit sassy, I'll throw some bacon on there, um, and, and mayonnaise. I'm not like a super crazy guy when it comes to stuff like that. I mean, like I said, if if all I have is mayonnaise and bread, then I'm having a mayonnaise sandwich and being happy about it. <laughs> so I love me some mayo. Love me some mayo. Not not just to dip into the container. No, not to do that. No, of course but, not. Of course not. Never yeah, eat it with, never eat it with a that. spoon. Never. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of mayo, okay. Favorite French fry condiment? Ooh. Mm, this uh, gets divisive sometimes, so. Uh, once again, not being a fairly picky human being, um, I'm a, I'm a, my number one is buttermilk ranch. That's my number one. Definitely buttermilk okay. ranch. Number two? Vinegar. Vinegar. All right. So we have this really cool uh, Irish pub down here in a little town south of Nashville called uh, Franklin in the, the uh, McCreary's pub. And they do fish and chips. And they I'd never experienced fish and chips before. Even when I was in Ireland, I didn't experience it for some reason. Um, and they brought out this, I guess it's malted vinegar. And I was like, what do I do with this? And they're like, oh, you put it on your on your chips. I'm like, oh, okay. Huh. And I became an immediate fan. I have not ever done that. I'm not a big vinegar guy, but I have never put that on my French fries. Um, now I'm going to try it. Can't <laughs> wait. I I personally, you had brought up mayo. I, I'm a big fan of mayo on my French fries. I add a little pepper to the mayo. And dip those French fries in the mayo. Perfect. Oh, well, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that when I was in in the Netherlands for a little while, you could go get like a huge scoop of fries, and they just take a like a ladle full of mayo and just dump it on top. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about right there. I am a loving of that. Um, I pineapple on pizza. Thoughts. 
uh, death. Um, <laughs> so you're not a fan. Yeah, no, you know what? Uh, if if it's if it's pineapple and ham, yeah, I'll eat it. I won't say no to a pizza with pineapple and ham. Uh, while definitely not being my favorite or preferred, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of it when people just put pineapple or when they put it with a ton of other stuff. But if it's just pineapple and ham, I'll I'll eat it. I'll deal with it. Yeah, I think it's got to have that mean some sort of pork or something on there. Um, my favorite's pineapple, bacon, and some jalapeno. That's my Ooh. favorite. My favorite pizza right there. I get I do that all the time. Jalapeno, bacon, and pineapple. Perfect to me. But there's a <laughs> lot of people that just cannot cannot stand that whole pineapple on pizza stuff. Um, and I can see why. I mean, you want you don't want your sweetness with everything else, but I think it's a great combination. Yeah, well, when you can uh, offset it, we can offset the sweet with like a, a really nice, like thick cut bacon or ham. It's, mm-hmm. it's fine because yes. I mean, I, I've definitely had, you know, um, pineapple and ham or pork, you know, or, or definitely as like a topping on pork before. So, yeah, I get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Gonna stop talking about food because I'm extremely hungry. Starving. Now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I. 90s. You grew up in the 90s. I grew up in the 90s. Um, favorite 90s jam. Not necessarily rock music or anything, but just a jam of a song. <laughs> okay, I'm going to throw everybody for a loop. I love 90s R&B, like, mm-hmm. with an absolute passion. My very first concert, not rock concert, which was Leonard Skinner and ZZ Top, but my first concert concert, I was maybe nine years old. And I saw Boys to Men, Immature, Brandy, and uh, I can't think of who else. But it, Boys to Men was the headliner. Um, but so, like, I'm a huge fan of 90s R&B. But um, Keith Sweat, Twisted. Mm, uh, I remember that song. Uh, I couldn't. It, I, I couldn't. I mean, that that played forever when I was. Oh, geez, in high school, junior high, whatever. That oh, yeah. was he, all over the place. He had two, and both of them are equally as good. It was Nobody and Twisted. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Nobody, sorry, Nobody's, I probably prefer Nobody over Twisted, but Nobody, I mean, I, oof. I mean, that's like some soul stink face <laughs> inducing goodness. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm Black Street's No Diggity will always be my favorite 90s jam. Always. So, incredible song but so as i started to kind of delve into like 60s and 70s Mm r&b i finally realized where that sample came from and i can't believe i didn't realize where it came from um but the mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. you know it's it's bill withers grandma's hands yes (laughs) and 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 then i went down this rabbit hole of bill withers you know and uh but to to pull that sample out of a song called grandma's hands and turn it into a song like no diggity that is that is like genius <laughs> i love it <laughs> all right so i'll just ask you one more question um uh, what is the last movie you watched in a theater and what's the last movie you watched while at home <laughs> oh god um uh, okay see the last movie i watched in a theater uh, and I'm going to be a thousand percent honest with this. You know, I've got a 
four-year-old girl, and we went and saw Frozen 2. And oh, yeah. I can sing the soundtrack from front to back. Uh, <laughs> Olaf is uh, my spirit animal. Um, so that was, that was the last movie I saw in a theater. Um, and let's see, the last movie I watched at home, I thought about trying to pull up like my Netflix and seeing what it was. Um, I am a huge horror fan. Like Mm -hmm. I I adore horror movies. Um, Todd our drummer is actually on a horror podcast called the horror virgin. I was going to uh, ask about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. He hates horror movies. Like, <laughs> like he with a passion. So like, if there's anything even remotely gory, like I, you can hear him gagging, he'll try and hide it, but um, he hates them. Like he, he despises them. Um, but I've been on a few episodes. Um, I was on the descent because that's one of my favorites. Uh, I was on The Thing, because it's an absolute classic. Um, but the last movie I think I watched was, I finally got around to watching Midsummer. Oh, yeah. And wow. Like, I, like, I, I love horror, but when it's like heady horror, I, I, I absolutely loved that movie. Um, yeah, I, I saw that in the theater, and I was like, I, had, I went back and saw it like four times. Um, and there's a lot. It, there's a lot. Fun. There's a lot in that film. Um, I I am just a big fan of the trippiness of the the psychedelic portions of it, um, uh, where I mean everything's just moving and pulsating and and all of that. But it's it's a tremendous film. Oh, a thousand percent. Um, and there's another, not that it's related, but like my, my one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Um, it's a German film called Angst. And it it only played. It only had two releases. It was only shown in two theaters. They were both it was it was porn theaters, because they couldn't get like an actual distribution for the film. Uh, but it's about this serial killer that gets let out of prison and immediately goes on a killing spree again. But it's all internal dialogue. The whole movie. It's a, it's a German oh. porn film, but it's all internal dialogue. Um, and the director, I think this was his only film, but he went and interviewed this guy because it's based on a true story. He went and interviewed the guy's therapists um, and got as much detail as he could. And it, it has stuck with me ever since. I've never felt so uncomfortable and loving it. Um, but uh, if you get a chance, check that one out. I always recommend it. Oh, I will. Yeah, definitely. I'm a huge horror guy. Um, there's a group of us that... Um, on another podcast that every every October we we do our um, spook fest thirty days thirty movies thirty episodes where we watch movies and and basically talk about them for thirty minutes or whatever and it's so fun um, so much fun I love horror so much um, have you seen there's a movie that came out um, oh geez well it was last late last year it was called Hunter Hunter I have not seen Hunter Hunter. Yeah, I I recommend watching that. Um, Devin Sawa's in it, um, uh, but uh, Nick Stahl's in it as well. Um, but it's a great survival horror thriller film. Um, not for the faint of heart. I'll just say that. So <laughs> um, it's an excellent film. I would recommend that. Um, 
but yeah, that's. I can't even remember the last movie. Well, the last movie I watched in the theater, we actually I saw we went to see Wonder Woman 1984 in the theater when it came out on Christmas because theaters were open up around here. So um, we were the only fun... people in the theater too. That was a fun watch. I so um, we watched that um, when it was released on you know, what Netflix or, or no, it was on HBO, uh, mm-hmm. a few weeks back. And the, the way that I approach, uh, like Marvel movies or DC movies, or dare I say Transformers movies, um, <laughs> like, like, so when I went to go watch Transformers, I didn't go in expecting Schindler's list. I went in expecting talking robots. So mm-hmm. like, I, I can kind of set my bar pretty like high or low, but, um, I didn't really have a bar set for Wonder Woman 84, but I was blown away by the attention to detail <laughs> for, for the mid eighties aesthetic. Um, and it was a fun watch. And what's his face was a fantastic villain. I mean, definitely over the top, but you know, oh, yeah, Pedro Pascal. I love yes. that guy. Yes. Yeah. The, the only, I mean, I had a lot of problems with that movie, but that was because I love the first Wonder Woman so much. Um, and then this one came out, and I love the 80s, I mean, the 80s setting, um, but I, I just, I was kind of upset that they they didn't put really, I mean, they they didn't take the time and kind of make the most of it and use any sort of 80s music. There were a couple of, I mean, more obscure songs in it um, that they played for about five to ten seconds. It's in the background, it's kind of background music, um, but I didn't... <sighs> That's the one thing that really upset me was, you know, they could have, you know what? I, I totally agree. They could have done a better job um, to build the vibe by using, I mean, the eighties, there's such a distinctive, especially early to mid eighties. Mm-hmm. There's such a distinctive like style of pop music. Um, that really didn't exist very long, but it's so iconic and definitely, you know, what year it came out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially in that first or the second trailer or whatever, they made great use of uh, Blue Monday um, so well in that trailer for it. And I thought, well, hey, we're getting a movie set in 84. We're going to get some great music kind of in that time period and just didn't get it. So, I mean, I I, I my, my kid loves it. I, he loved that movie. I, I thought it was eh, it was OK, um, <laughs> but I. But then again, I like a lot of movies that are terrible that other people hate. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the wisest of of, of opinions. So, <laughs> um, but anyways, I I really really thank you for your time here today for being gracious with your time talking with me on the podcast today. Um, uh, where can people find you? Where can people find Faust on social media? Because we want people to link up with you, listen to your music. Um, where can people find you? Sure. Well, first off, thank you. And, uh, and thank people like you for providing platforms for artists like us that we can go talk about our music. So super appreciative there. Um, and you can find, um, everything Faust related. You can go on our website and it's faustband.com. Uh, or you can find us on social media everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, it's all at Faust Band.
Okay, cool. That makes yeah, that's simple. That's find you everywhere with just Faust Band. That's that's the way to do it right there. Yeah. Keep it all yep. simple. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, I thank you so much for coming on um, and chatting with me on Nobody Asked You, Kevin. Um, and I cannot wait to hear what you guys put out here soon. Um, and everybody, when you're, if you're listening here, go find the EP Revival. It's a tremendous six-song set. I play it all the time, and I... I mean, every single one of those songs is great. So, All right, friends, there you have it. That was Chris Faust of the band Faust. If you like what you heard there and throughout the episode, go check them out on Twitter and social media, at Faust Band. You can find them all anywhere like that. Um, Go check out their EP Revival, uh, which you heard, again, a few songs throughout this episode, just clips of them. I will personally vouch for it. I, I've listened to it quite a bit, actually. Um, it's a really, really good rock EP. And breaking news on Twitter, actually, because Faust actually has a new single coming out this month. He references it in this interview, but so far Faust has actually just posted on social media that they will be releasing a new single this month. So I cannot wait to hear that. I'll post about it on social media sites of my own when I do hear it, uh, but just uh, stay tuned on that front. Again, stick around for the outro after this. It's Again, it's part of Faust's song Little Man, which Chris talked about for a brief moment in our chat. Uh, to reach me, you can find me on Twitter at ForensicToxGuy or the show at AskedKevin, A-S-K-E-D-K-E-V-I-N. On Facebook, just search for the Nobody Asked You Kevin podcast page, give it a like, Email nobodyaskedyoukevin at gmail.com. I've got a blog, nobodyaskedyoukevinpodcast.blogspot.com. If you can, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Good, bad, indifferent. Hey, it's much appreciated, whichever you would leave me. Just leave me a review. I I like feedback. Uh, And then, finally, I'd like to say that thank you for listening, of course, but I'm also starting, or I have started, a another podcast. It's called Important Dates in Music History. So far, I've got two episodes up, and from the title of the podcast, you can probably guess it is about the important dates in music history. So, first episode, February 13th, 1970. Second episode, October 20th, 1977. If you know some of your music history, you know what those dates are. Uh, For the next 10 weeks, every Sunday, I will have a new episode on there about an important date in music history. Give it a check. Check it out. Give it a listen. It's a little bit different than this. It's just about music history. Each episode is about 10 to 15 minutes long. Uh, Nothing too difficult to listen to. Again, I'll have 10 more episodes over the next 10 weeks. Um, So check it out. Give it a like on uh, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe if you can. I won't mention it too much here because it is a separate podcast, but go check it out if you can. Um, And I also need to say that the intro music you heard here today is Let's Fight by Shad Worrell. He's got a SoundCloud page. Just search for Shad Worrell. I'll also link to it in the show notes, but he provided me with the uh, music called Let's Fight uh, that I'm using as an intro right now. 
So until next time, my friends, my fam, love you all. Much love to all of you. Peace.